Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Dental Assistant Nation podcast powered by Ignite DA. My name is Kevin Henry. I am the co-founder of Ignite DA. And as always, I am so glad you've joined us. No matter where you found us out there in the vast podcast network, I appreciate you spending a few minutes with us today. You know, usually I have a guest on. Usually I bring in somebody from the industry to talk about trends, to talk about things going on that impact dental assistance, impact the dental practice. And today I'm going to pivot a little bit from that because I really had a life lesson over the weekend in Chicago. My, uh, I'll just say one of my favorite cities in the entire world. Um, I love going to Chicago, the energy that's there. It's just one of those places that anytime I get a chance to go, whether it's for midwinter or any other time during the year, I take advantage of it. So I was in Chicago over the weekend and got some really interesting life lessons about not only myself maybe, but also those around you who you don't know on a daily basis. Those who are just walking along society with you and suddenly you're put in a situation where you have to interact with them. You have to coexist with them. You know, in dental assistance, you do this every day. You never know the mindset of the patient walking into the practice. Are they scared? Are they nervous? Are they upset? Have they had a good day? Have they had a bad day? You know, there's so many things that are variables. And that's what I think we don't take into consideration every day as we walk into the grocery store or our church or, you know, uh, a baseball practice or whatever it might be where we interact with other people. We don't really notice the other people around us until we almost have to. And that's what it was for me in Chicago this past weekend. So let me set the tale for you. I uh, One of the things that I love to do, I get to do, I'm blessed to do, is not only work with you amazing dental assistants every day, but also uh, I get to cover baseball. I am a baseball writer. Uh, I'm a member of the Baseball Writers Association of America. Uh, I travel to games all over the country. Uh, I do interviews in the locker room. I write articles. Uh, the, the biggest... Uh, site that I work for right now is calltothepen.com as well as uh, fansided.com and their MLB site. Uh, So I get to do a lot of wonderful things with athletes. And so this past week, I spent the week in Chicago as the Colorado Rockies, my hometown team here in Denver, uh, traveled to not only play the Chicago White Sox, but the Chicago Cubs. It was a week that the Rockies were going to be in Chicago all week. I figured, you know what? I'll go along, I'll do some articles, I'll work on dentistry during the day, uh, you know, so balance things out like I always do. Uh, it was a tremendous week, tremendous food, uh, enjoyed my time in the Windy City so much. Sunday, the Rockies and Cubs finished a game at Wrigley Field that started at 1.20, finished about 4.30. After I do my interviews and, and everything like that, I walked out of Wrigley around 5.30, I had a 9.20 flight out of O'Hare to get back to Denver, last flight of the day. So I left Wrigley Field plenty of time to get back to O'Hare for my flight. And I'm that guy, I don't know about you, but I am that guy, I love to get to the airport early. I don't like to be a last minute guy. My wife, the exact opposite. So she and I always have to balance each other out a little bit and kind of uh, come to terms on when exactly we're going to get to the airport. But I was by myself, so I said, you know what? I'm going to get to O'Hare in plenty of time to sit there, check a few things that I need to finish up from this trip. You know, 
going to be relaxing, right? In Chicago, I'm also a big fan of public transportation. I rarely will take an Uber or a Lyft or a taxi in from O'Hare into the city. I'm usually the guy who rides the blue line in. Um, I just figure it's easier, it's faster, it's cheaper for sure. So, and, and it's also something that I feel like if that's something I can do to keep another car off the road, well, so be it. So I thought, well, I'm leaving Wrigley Field. I can take the red line into the loop, downtown Chicago, transfer over to the blue line, ride straight to O'Hare. I'll be there in plenty of time to catch my flight. It's going to be perfect. Life was good. Got on the red line at uh, Addison Stop, which is right by Wrigley Field. I have my suitcase with me. I have my backpack with me. I'm ready to go. Transfer trains. Boom, I'm home. Easy, right? Then life threw you a curveball. We get to the point of the red line where we are going underground into the, uh, the, <laughs> the crevices, shall we say, of the downtown Chicago. And suddenly the subway comes to a complete stop and the power goes off. Now, your first thought is, okay, what's going on? And I'm also a guy who, whenever I ride the, the, the red line, blue line, whatever it is in Chicago, I always make sure that I am in the first car by the conductor, by the driver of that train, because people still do drive the trains in Chicago. So I want to make sure I'm always by that person. Just It's just something I do. Uh, it's not that I don't feel safe. It's just that I like to be up front, and, and it's usually less crowded, too. This day was not, though, because the Cubs fans who hang around Wrigley Field, everybody had walked over the red line and had the same idea I was. They were just going to take the red line into the city. So I'm in the first car of eight cars that are completely packed. And the power has gone out. And we are underground. And there's that moment of what's going on. And I heard on the radio... Because, again, I'm right by the front door where the conductor is. I heard on the radio that they had shut down the power because somebody was on the tracks ahead of us. Somebody had uh, illegally entered the train tracks, uh, and they were worried this person was going to get electrocuted. So, in order to not have this person electrocuted, they shut down the power, which meant that eight full subway cars were now stuck underground without power. And without power, that means without full lighting, as well as without air conditioning. It had been a warm day in Chicago, getting into the high 80s. So it was not cool in those cars. And after about five minutes, in realizing that this was going to be a longer situation, people started sweating, including me, literally and figuratively. And it was something that we all started talking to each other. Again, complete strangers. We didn't know each other. But it was the whole, how long do you think this is going to take? There was one lady who was checking on an elderly man who was in our car to make sure he was okay. She was fanning him. You know, Again, a complete stranger helping somebody else out. We were five minutes into this and people were already starting to get a little restless. Now... I'm going to give you a spoiler alert here. We were actually stuck there for an hour and 10 minutes, 70 minutes. So we were very early in the journey, didn't realize that. 
over the course of those 70 minutes, I saw a lot of things that I wanted to share with you. And I'm going to boil them down into three different points about what I saw that day in Chicago. And I think that they're, they're points that can maybe radiate with what you all deal with on a daily basis. And the first is this. The lady driving the train, the conductor, stayed under control the whole time. Being in that first car, I saw what she was doing. I heard the conversations that were going on between her, the Chicago Transit Authority, eventually the Chicago Fire Department, and also the conversations that she was having with different passengers in all eight cars. Because if you've ever ridden the train, you see that there's a little button where you can talk to the, the person up front. Uh, you know, it's only supposed to be in an emergency. But there were plenty of people going, how long is this going to take? I'm getting hot. I'm having trouble breathing. So this lady was dealing with not only the situation, but also a lot of people who were starting to run out of patience with what was going on. Now, I will give credit. I never heard over those conversations anybody really yelling at her, anybody really like freaking out, for lack of a better term. But I heard a lot of people who were like, what's going on? We want information. And she would always answer the same way. We're working on it. I promise. I want to get out of here as much as you do. Hang with me. And it was something really interesting for me to watch her become a leader. Because I'll be honest, whenever I got on that train, I didn't really notice her. I didn't really fully grasp who she was, it was just going to be a quick trip into the city, right? Well, all of a sudden, she became the point person for all of us in those cars about what was going on. And she didn't sit back. She became a leader that day. And I will tell you, and we'll get to this point in a minute, but the amount of appreciation that I had for her when that trip started versus when that trip ended was unbelievably different. And I think that your patients may feel the same way about you sometimes. They may not think anything about you until they have to know some information from you, until they want your opinion, until you can help them with something. And, and that's not a slight on you or patients, but it's human nature. So often we don't notice the people around us until we really need something from them or until they make us notice them. But this lady, and her, by the way, her name was Takara, and, and I asked specifically for her name because I wanted, I knew as this story went on, this was something I wanted to not only share on the podcast, but in some of the lectures that I'll be doing coming up in St. Louis, Peoria, Illinois, um, as well as a few other spots around the country. But Takara stayed under control. Takara assumed leadership. Takara communicated very decisively. Now, has she had a course on this? I honestly don't know. I didn't ask her that. But if she hadn't or if she had, she became somebody that day who really rose above the situation to explain how important that it was that people did what they were supposed to do. Which leads me to point number two. People did and did not do what they were supposed to do. Now, Takara said one thing to us. She said, everybody stay on the train. Now, 
there are those emergency buttons that you can push that can open the doors. And eventually Takara did do that on all eight cars because we were all getting so hot. So she opened the doors on all eight cars while we were waiting for the Chicago Fire Department to get there to clear the tracks to make sure everything was okay. And I noticed in my car, the very first one, if I look straight out the door by where I was standing, there was an emergency exit there. Now, as soon as she opened those doors, people in my car started talking to each other about, well, should we just leave? Can we just go out that door right there? I mean, it takes us right up to the street, right? It can't be that hard. Even though Takara had said, please stay on the car, people all of a sudden started coming up with their own plan. And sure enough, five people from my car, despite Takara saying, stay on the train, did not stay on the train. And they went out the emergency exit. Because of that, I later found out that our trip and our being stuck there was doubled from what it should have been. We only should have been there about 40 minutes. But because those five people left through the emergency exit, then the Chicago Fire Department and Chicago Transit Authority had to make sure that that exit was secured and everybody was safe and out of there before they turned the power back on, adding another 30 minutes to our day. So because what a few people did it impacted everybody else on the train. Now, I can tell you the time that Takara got the most frustrated during this trip was at that moment when she knew that those five people had left. And she was in another train. You remember how I said she was opening up all the car doors? She was down at the other end of the train when these five people decided to take off. So there wasn't anybody there to say, hey, whoa, 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 stop. And I'll be honest, none of us in the car tried to stop them either because what are you going to do? We didn't know how long it was going to be. We were still in a holding pattern. And I got to thinking how many times in our practice do people do what we ask them to do or don't do what we ask them to do? We give them very clear instructions, don't we? We let them know this is what's best for you. This is what you need to do to keep your oral health at an optimal level. And people go, eh, I'm going to do this. Isn't it frustrating? Isn't it frustrating whenever you've told somebody that, uh, you, you, you know, there's going to be sensitivity on this side, so don't bite down on it, don't do this. Well, all of a sudden they do that and then they complain to you. It's frustrating, right? And I will tell you, those of us in the car were very frustrated with those five people who left. Now, those five people... I'll be honest, they probably walked out and didn't think a thing in the world. They were like, thank goodness we are out of there. And they didn't think about what they had done to the rest of us in that car. So already in this story, I've been impacted by two people, or maybe two sets of people, doing the wrong thing that put a lot of people in a frustrating situation because of their actions. The person who was running around on the tracks, who had to be apprehended by Chicago police, as well as the five people who left. People aren't always going to do what we want them to do, whether those are our patients or our coworkers, but how do we react to that? And that's where I bring back in Takara because whenever she came back up to the front car and has, was told that five people had just left through the emergency exit, oh, she could have just went on a tirade. She could have cursed she could, have, I mean, she could have done all these different things. 
but she knew that we were as frustrated as she was. So she just hung her head for a minute, walked away. I'm sure she muttered some things under her breath, but then she got on her walkie talkie communication device and said, Hey, Chicago fire, we've got a new situation. She pivoted to help with the people who didn't do what they were supposed to do. She didn't gripe about it. She didn't complain about it. She didn't whine about it. She just said, well, the situation's changed. Here's what I've got to do. Again, a leadership lesson from this lady, as well as a lesson for all of us that people don't always do what you want them to do. Third lesson, appreciation. So I was one of those people. I'm a rule follower, okay? I am a person that if you tell me to stay on the train, you know what, unless a fire's coming or something else, I'm staying on the train because you told me to because I want to follow the rules. I'm a guy who does that. So I stayed on the train for the 70 minutes until the power was restored. You know, it's a long story, but trust me, we eventually had Chicago Fire come onto our car to work up front with Takara to get the train going again to make sure power was restored properly. It, it, was, a, it was a mess. It was something. But when power was restored and when we actually got to moving again, it wasn't that far until the next station. And Chicago Fire came over the loudspeaker and said, you know, there's going to be help for anybody who needs it at the next station. We have paramedics on scene. We're going to get you all off of here, uh, get you all on another train. You know, they, they were saying all these things to let us know that the end of this journey was in sight. And I got off, again, in the front car, by where Takara was, by where Chicago Fire was. And I stood there for a minute. Even though I had lost valuable time to get to O'Hare, I still stood there for a minute because people were just rushing off the train. And I'm like, I don't want to get in the middle of that mess with my suitcase and everything else. So I stood back, let everybody else kind of get out of the exit. And I turned around and Takara was kind of peeking out of the front window of the conductor area of the front of the train. And I simply said this, hey, you know what? You did great today. Thank you for making this as easy as it could have possibly been. It wasn't much. It was just a simple thank you. And I will tell you the look that she got on her face and the tears that came down from her eyes because of that, I didn't realize how under pressure that she was until that moment. And now that I look back on it, you know, she was the only person from Chicago Transit who was in the middle of all this with us. She was the only person who was really making a difference out there, who had the whole weight of all these people complaining and asking questions and, you know, her trying to make sure that we were all comfortable and safe and everything else. That's a lot of weight to put on her shoulders. And until I said those words, I don't think it hit me or maybe even her how much that she had just been through in those 70 minutes too, along with the rest of us. And she, you know, she, she, she's crying a little bit. I'm having this moment where I need to get going, but I also want to make sure that she knows how much I appreciate it. And she just said to me, that means a lot. And that's the only reaction we had. It was maybe 10 seconds, maybe 15 seconds. It wasn't much, but I can tell you it was important to me to tell her thank you. And it was important for her to hear those words. So one thing that I do whenever I lecture, and so I've said so many times on this podcast, is 
Two simple words make a difference with everybody. And that's thank you. That's knowing that you're appreciated and people knowing that they're appreciated. I don't think we do that enough in our society today. Out of the hundreds of people on that car, I know for a fact I was the only one who told her thank you. Now, I'm not doing that to brag. I'm not doing that for any other reason other than to illustrate how much that we all need to hear those words every day. In dental assistance, I know you don't often hear those words. So I'm going to ask you, to, if you don't hear those often, you start thanking people around you for what they do to help you. You reach out to a mentor or somebody who has helped you along the way to say thank you. It's important that we all know that we're appreciated and that we're loved. As human nature kind of flows through us, we need those things. So yeah, I said thank you to her. I said a quick thank you to the two Chicago firefighters that were on our train. And by the way, I thank our first responders every day all over this country for what they do to keep us safe and for what they do to help our society keep moving forward. Thank you first responders for that. And then I was up the stairs and I was out and I tried to find an Uber to get to O'Hare. I made it there with 10 minutes to spare. It was quite the journey. But in that Uber ride, I am sweaty. I'm sure I stunk. I don't have any doubt that my Uber driver may have given me a bad rating just because I probably stunk up his car. And if you're listening to me, Uber driver who took me to O'Hare, I'm sorry. And I owe you an air freshener or something for that. But as we're driving to O'Hare, I, I didn't have much conversation with him. I just sat there and thought about what we'd just been through and all the different things there moments where things could have gone completely differently. I am so glad that none of us in those cars lost our composure, started fighting with each other, started doing things that would have made the situation worse. I'm thankful if there was somebody there like Takara who actually was a leader and took advantage of the situation to show her leadership. And again, I, I don't think she planned that. I just think that came out of her. And then I'm thankful for the people who actually helped the train get going again, the first responders, those with Chicago Transit Authority. So let me just talk about the three lessons real quickly. Number one, a leader emerged. We're all leaders. It's just a matter of how we embrace the moment. And dental assistants, I ask you, how are you being a leader every day in your practice like Takara was on that train that day? Number two, when people don't do what you ask them to do, how do you respond? Do you lose your composure or do you take that deep breath and say, all right, the situation's changed. Here's what we need to do. And again, that could be patience. It can be coworkers, but people won't always do what you ask them to do. How do you respond to that? And the third thing, always say thank you. Always appreciate those around you. I will tell you, I'm never going to get on the Chicago subway again and look at it in the same way that I did. Whenever I'm, next time I'm in Chicago and I hop on the blue line, you know what? I'll notice who the conductor is. And I hope that it's Takara. I hope one of these days that I get to see her again and, and really thank her. The one regret I have about the situation, now that I look back, I did not take a picture of her. And I would love to be able to show you, to show those around us who she was, uh, because she's probably, 
as we speak, as you listen to this, she's probably driving a train somewhere in Chicago right now, doing what she's supposed to do, just being Takara. And I guarantee you the people on that train are better because they've got somebody like her leading the way. And dental assistants, your patients are better because they've got somebody like you who is their champion. And for that, I say thank you to you. I also say thank you for listening to my story here. I say thank you for uh, walking through this moment with me, these three lessons that really impacted me. I hope they impacted you. Uh, I always love to hear from you. Uh, you know, I hope you're following us on Instagram at, at Ignite Dental Assistance. My email address is kevin.henry at igniteda.net. You can reach out to us through the Ignite DA Facebook page. There's a lot of different ways to find us. And I want to make sure that we are doing here at the Dental Assistant Nation podcast everything we can to make sure that you are succeeding at your job. So until the next time, this is Kevin Henry. I will have a guest on next time. I promise you that. Uh, but thank you for listening to my story from Chicago. Thank you for being such an amazing dental assistant. And thank you for being a listener of the Dental Assistant Nation podcast powered by Ignite DA.